As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have one of the hottest young hosts in the digital space. Oh, I'm so excited for you guys to chat and listen to her just talk. She's great. You've heard of her on ESPN's Hoop Streams and the wrap-up and Roll the Tape on ESPN+. Plus. She is full of opinions, talent, personality. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Welcome to Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Um, Monica McNutt here alongside my fantastic co-host, my very stylish um, charming. I'm so sick of people hitting me in my DMs being like, so who's your co-host? Anyway, oh, one and only King McClure. <laughs> and this week, King, we have been building to have this guest because she's super busy, our schedules, like it's just been a minute. It's been a long time coming. Um, uh-huh. She is the one and only Christine Williamson. You may have seen her all over Hoop Streams, which did mad numbers for ESPN Digital. Um, she's just fantastic, but you know, we're also gonna get into the hair conversation. We're so glad to have you, Christine. Welcome to the show. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. I know we've been talking about this since King came on the show, like became a part of the show, Monica. And then we were like, oh yeah, we gotta do this. So it's been, a minute. It's, um, sure. we're, we're so glad. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, no this is actually, besides me and you vibing, King was also like, we should have Christine on the show. So it's crazy because I, I worked for the Big 12 for three years, um, interviewed King. I think it was your senior season at Baylor, sure. right? And sure. I was like, oh my gosh, friend. And then it was so crazy. I was coming on my like interviews to meet everybody at ESPN. And I walk into the Welcome Center, and King's in there. And I was like, wait, what are you doing here? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, my gosh. So we basically started our, like, post-Big 12 journey together, which is so crazy. It's it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. Made me feel so much more welcome at ESPN, because, like, you see a familiar face, and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm comfortable. I'm in my element now. Exactly. It's crazy just to see how we progressed and how we've grown so much in the journey and seeing what you're doing for ESPN is is incredible. So keep going. Yeah, it's been dope. Um, I know it's been a lot of fun. It's been a learning experience. Like even before, like when I was at the Big 12, like I could have never imagined that my jump would have been from like King, I don't know if you know how, well, you were like on set with us. Like it was literally yeah. just me. And like, I was directing like all the camera people. Like I was the producer. I was editing all of my stuff. Like I was doing everything for that. They just happened to hook me up with some camera people. <laughs> like That was the whole thing. So like even making the jump from the big 12 to ESPN is actually like, I don't even know how that happened, but yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy ride for sure. Okay. So you say that, 
very humbly, but we have to get into how the jump actually happened. We have to get into the whole journey um, because you are a fresh face on ESPN and we love to see it. Mm -hmm. I know for me this summer when you hopped into host um, WNBA Halftimes, the yeah. deaf audience is like one of the best audiences in sports. And I know that they were obsessed with you. I was like, oh, I can't wait for everybody to meet Christine. Like I felt, I, first of all, this is my cat, Giuseppe. <laughs> She's here. Um, I was so overwhelmed because, listen, like I said, I have never done a lot of the things that I've been introduced to at ESPN. So that was my first time doing WNBA raps. That was my first time doing raps in general. That was my first time covering the W, doing anything for the W. So I was so nervous and felt like I get in my head a lot. Like I just be in my head. So I was like, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? And then to see people's response on social media, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest place ever. I just like wanted to be, I wanted to be a part of the W. Like I just wanted to engulf myself in the WNBA because it was such a warm welcome. People were like, you're killing it. I felt, like I said, I felt like I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but they were like, you're killing it. You're amazing. You're wonderful. So I was like, all right, like, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, I was glad that I was able to be a part of that. And then Monica, you texted me right before it because honestly I was like I don't know how I'm about to do this like like I said I'd never covered the W before and I felt like I was in like I had been following like obviously sports hadn't been happening for so long so I had been following every single sport that had been happening following everything that was going on with the W but I was like do I have enough knowledge like am I am I prepared for this what's going on but it was definitely a warm welcome it was great and like you said they embraced me and they were so hyped that it made me feel like even if I don't know what I'm doing these people got my back you just literally like they just wanted to see you because you are a fantastic black woman like I, I can't tell you how many people were like do you know her like who is this chick I'm like yes I know her okay so we obviously loved you in the W audience but you have to tell us your journey what were you brought to ESPN to do and from where did Christine Williamson come okay so <clears throat> the ESPN part is kind of crazy let's start from before the big 12 um because I've kind of been all over the place I went to school at University of Miami for undergrad went to Clemson University for grad school. And the reason I went to Clemson, because I did not want to go to grad school. I'm not gonna lie. I don't like school like that. Like it was just not my thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to write papers and I'm a procrastinator. So it's just like the worst possible thing. But Clemson was looking for a graduate assistant reporter and they had like this cute little studio and like, you know, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll go to Clemson for that. And then like, I guess grad, get a grad degree also. So it worked out went to Clemson. After I went to Clemson, I went to go work for the Denver Broncos and that was their Super Bowl year. So I got a ring. And then I went to the Big 12. When I was hired at the Big 12, I was hired as a correspondent for what is now Stadium. That was my cat. If you just heard it, she just fell off the couch. Um, <laughs> she's a class. But I was hired as a correspondent at Stadium um, and as a Big 12 correspondent. But after the first year, the Big 12 wanted to change their relationship with Stadium, which kind of changed my role at the Big 12 because I went from working for a network to working for a conference, which like working for a conference was just, they didn't understand like what I did literally. So it was kind of hard because I had to be like, oh yes, it makes sense for me to go to this basketball game it makes sense for me to go like please pay for me to go to 
a football game and cover it. So it was like pulling teeth, which kind of made me, I was fighting daily battles and it kind of made me be like, oh, I wonder what else is out there, you know, because I was very happy when I was working for Stadium. And then, like I said, working for a network that just didn't understand or working for a conference that just didn't understand like what I did as a correspondent was like extremely hard. So even though I was able to do a lot of things there and it gave me the great opportunity to meet King McClure, (laughs) um, I did kind of want to move on and try to see what else is out there. Um, Which as everybody knows that works in this industry is very hard, especially if you're doing it by yourself. So I just decided to put my feelers out there and just send my reel out to agencies and see if anybody would be like, oh, she's fun. Let's represent her. So when I did that, um, I had like a top three or like a top five, honestly. And one of my top five hit me up and left me a voicemail and then called me the next day. So they seemed like really interested. So I called them back. And then the following week went up to New York to meet with them. And they were like, we love you, please. And then I was like, okay. So then I signed with them. But before I signed with them, actually, this is when I really knew that I was on sign with them. Before I even like officially signed with them, they were like, we have, um, there's some, hold on, let me make sure my cut. Okay. <laughs> they were like, we know some people at ESPN that are going to be down in Austin. And I, at the time, lived in Dallas. And they were like, we would love for you to go down there and just meet with them. And I was like, I'm not even signed with you. So maybe I should sign with you. And then you say yes. <laughs> so um, I went down, so I signed with them went down to Austin and met some of the people in the talent department here. And they were like, oh my gosh, we would love for you to come up to um, Bristol so that you can meet some more people and possibly see if anybody would want you to work with them. So I came up to Bristol and met with literally 50 people in one day. It was a very tiring day. That was the day that I saw King. And I was like, I don't know who all these people are. Let's just meet with them. So I answered the same question about 50 times, but had like a lot of great conversations. And I was on um, a plane ride back with one of the people that work in the talent office. And she said that she had gotten, she was on an email chain where somebody in the digital department was like, this is exactly what we have been looking for. So I was, it was like very hopeful. Um, But she was like, oh, but we'll see what happens. If nothing happens, then I'll talk to you soon. So I was still like, ah, this probably isn't going to happen. But then about two weeks later, she texted me and she was like, hey, we have some people that are interested. Would you want to be out here? And I was like, "Uh, yes. And it was so funny because my agent texted me and was like, would you even want to do this right now? Like the football season just started. And I was like, I'm leaving now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) goodbye. Um, So yeah, it just happened to work out. It was great. And then I came up to ESPN. But when they hired me, they were, they didn't have like a specific thing for me to do. They were kind of like, we'll see, you can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like you can fill in for these people and you can possibly shadow these people and like, see if this works. So I was kind of like, do I have a job? (laughs) Are you guys just bringing me out to Bristol to be like, let's see what it's like to live in in Connecticut. Um, But yeah, so then after we had a couple of new digital shows starting, which I didn't know about to start. And um, they were just like, let's put you on these digital shows and see how it works. And it just happened to work out. So it's been going pretty good since then. Hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting to me because it's actually really ironic, really crazy. Because when I first met Monica, the person uh-huh. that she reminded me of was you because of y'all's vibrant personalities and like y'all uh-huh. like 
two strong African-American women who are like super like nice, super like colorful, like the personalities. I loved it. I was here for it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I was, like, I was like, is every woman in TV just like these two? Like I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Cause y'all two like big sisters to me, but yeah, yeah. Never really asked you this, but I'm so curious. Uh huh. Where did the bald girl originate? So, okay. So this is so crazy. Um, originally I did not want it to, it wasn't like necessarily a part of my brand. I actually shaved my head. Um, my third year, which was my red short sophomore year in college. And I had been cutting my hair shorter and shorter. Um, and like Monica, you know, this, like, it's hard as an athlete to like, keep up with your hair. Like, it's just like a lot, you always sweating your hair out and all that kind of stuff. So I had been cutting my hair shorter and shorter. Um, but still spending like way too much money to keep my hair looking normal. Um, and then would be so sad because I would get like one good day out of like my fresh do and then like have practice the next day. I played volleyball in college. So, um, so it was a lot. So I just kept cutting my hair shorter and shorter and then actually ended up getting surgery on my left leg because I had a stress fracture that wasn't healing. Um, and so when I got surgery, I had had one side of my head shaved when people like really, I think it was like the first person like really did it. And I was like, Ooh, that's dope. Let me shave one side of my head. And when I got surgery, I was pretty much like confined to the bed for a minute. So I was like, I look a hot mess. Like I just have this one side of my hair growing out. So then I was like, mom, can you shave the rest of my head? Cause my mom's hair is short like this too. And she was like, okay. So she cut the whole hair and that's just me being bald. But the reason it became part of like what I started being my brand is because when I went to Clemson, South Carolina, I knew that the Clemson fans and like the middle of nowhere Clemson people were not going to understand why this woman was walking around with no hair. And so in order, actually what happened was um, Scott Van Pelt came to Clemson's campus to do an interview with Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins. And the segment he was doing for SportsCenter was called Bald Man on Campus. And I remember being like, that's Scott Van Pelt's entire brand in that moment. And I was like, wait a second, like in order to like address the elephant in the room, which is like the bald woman walking around interviewing student athletes. And like, I'm sure fans would have been like, excuse me, why is this girl bald? Which people still do. Um, so I just decided to be like, oh, I'm going to be bald girl on campus at Clemson. Became bald girl on campus at Clemson. And then when I went to the Broncos, it was like Broncos bald girl. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, let's just make this a whole thing and just call it the bald girl because like I'm hopping all over the place <laughs> at this point. Um, so then I just made it a part of my brand and it worked because like I said, I mean, I feel like now people are used to it, but like when I first, when I was at Clemson, like I just knew that Clemson fans were not gonna understand, like would be like, okay, cool. This is a great interview, but why are you bald? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I just decided to make it part of my brand and it worked out. So that's kind of how it came to be. Man, I gotta say, I've only seen two women in this world be able to pull off the bald fade and that's you and Amber Rose. I heard you say that you just decided to own it. Oh yeah, so I just decided to own it and make, and just um, basically address the elephant in the room that I knew that most people would probably be like, why in the world are you bald? Which like I said, people still do. Like literally, we did a show last week. Yeah, we do a Heisman show once a week starting two weeks ago. That started two weeks ago. And it goes until December 12th when the Heisman ceremony is. And looking at the comments, like people are like, why is this girl bald? Why did you shave your head? People are like, and I feel bad sometimes because 
like people that are trying to defend me will be like, you don't know, she might be sick. And I'm like, I'm not sick, actually. <laughs> Thanks for the defense, but I'm literally fine. <laughs> so it's always so awkward because like, I'm just like, oh no, well, thank you for coming to my defense. But like, I'm reg- I'm just like living my life as a bald person. Um, but yeah, some people are very rude about my, about my short hair. But like I said, I own it. And it just became a part of my brand because I feel like for some people that are genuinely like, wait, why are you bald? Um, I can just be like, because I'm bald. That's just who I am. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know um, we talked about this, how like now people are like, oh, your energy, your look, like the energy has always been there. But I'm so tickled now when people say, we love your look because girl, you know, it was not always like that. I had people literally, like when I first came out of college, there were people like, you should wear a wig. There were people like, we love you as a human, but we don't think that our audience would be able to connect with you or understand or identify with you. Like people were straight up like, no. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, And so, and it actually caused, like, I remember when I was, when I was fresh out of undergrad, like people that I knew I was significantly more talented than were getting gigs at very small market. Like I wasn't even acting, like it's not like I was like, please take me to the, the best market in the world. Like I was not looking for that. Like super small markets were like giving jobs to my friends who I love, but that I was like, mm, no, like why am I not getting these gigs? And then I, um, my mom worked in TV when I was young, when I was younger. <clears throat> so I talked to a, pe- a few people that like worked at local stations that she had worked with, like, um, and they were like, you know, you can choose to change how you look because that could probably land you a gig a little quicker. But they said, um, it doesn't matter if every single person is like, oh my gosh, we love your look and we want to hire you. You just need one person to say, we love your look and we want to hire you because it doesn't, that one person is all that matters. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So I just kept holding on to hope that like at least one person would be like, we love this. And it did take a while. And I think it was also just time because I don't think that like maybe five years ago, somebody at ESPN would necessarily be like, oh my gosh, yes, bald person. Um, But I think just because of how the world has shifted as a whole, it's caused people to be like, oh wait, look, we should be think that like people that don't have hair are normal um but like girl for a minute like people were like just put a wig on like who cares and I'd be like um I do because I don't wear a wig on a regular basis so yeah no yeah I'm not altering how I look I I totally feel you Bruce just put in the chat that you have some trademark potential absolutely honey um I I can remember I can't remember the year but I was working in local TV in DC and the University of Maryland there was a MABJ, which was the Maryland chapter of Association of Black Journalists on campus. Uh-huh. They had this uh-huh. whole panel and it was called natural, like naps, natural or unbelievable, right? And it was, the context was which way to go with your look. And so it was myself, um, a local weather woman in the area who had been here forever, is a little bit older, um, and then like a digital journalist. And I remember saying to the kids, like, you guys, if we don't push this envelope, it never gets changed right yeah and my thing has always been when i lay my head down at night or when i look in the mirror at the end of my day like i need to be good with me and while this job is a big part of who we are and what we do 
honey, this is not the end all be all. Like for me, the short hair is about fitness. It's about convenience. It's, it's, it's what I like and what makes me feel good. So I'm yeah. so glad to see that the crayon box is starting to have more colors than just hues of yellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know 100%. I... 100%. Like it was, it was, and it's also like, I mean, like I said, there's still people in the comments that are like, why are you bald? You know what I'm saying? Or that like joke and say, who is this man? And I'm like, bruh, I, you know good and well <laughs> that I'm not a man. Okay. <laughs> so like, it's not even a joke at this point. Ha ha ha. But like, <laughs> I think just the world in general, but like, like you said, talking to the younger people, like it's very encouraging for, I've had a lot of young women be like, yo, you literally are just bald. Like that's how your hair is. Like, that's how you want your hair to be. And you're able to do that. I remember even when I was working at the big 12, one of the Texas women's basketball players pulled me aside and was like, sis, like you have tattoos and you just wear your hair however you want. And like, you're really doing this. And I was like, I mean, thank goodness because if not I wouldn't be doing it but I'd still be looking how I am <laughs> I mean it just happened to work out um but yeah so I feel like I feel like I'm I'm most excited and happy about the fact that I didn't decide to change something about how I looked because I wanted to be in this industry Agreed. and instead the industry changed to accept how I looked because Agreed. I feel like I feel like, I know I feel the most beautiful, the most confident, the most me when I'm completely bald. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm not trying, like every once in a while, like just to be funny, I'll throw a wig on. But like most of the time by the end of the night, it comes off. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like, if I can be myself fully and this is when I feel most confident, like when I'm on a show, when I get a fresh cut, like I'm feeling great. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's like the, that's like the most, if I'm not able to feel the greatest as I, how I look, cause people are looking at me, then uh, that's a problem. So. Yeah. I keep yeah. telling everybody like the fresh cut energy is not gender specific because girl, a fresh cut be having you like, okay, I'm out here girl. checking for my own version of a King McClure. <laughs> when I tell you, when I tell you, and it's so funny because like I went to Italy a couple of years ago with my parents and brought my clippers with me but like the like conversion from like you know, I don't know how it works but basically I couldn't plug my daggum clippers in in Italy okay yeah. and because it was like taking the power out in all the hotel rooms I was like what is this <laughs> okay so can you probably know something about that because <laughs> I, I literally don't for playing overseas but anyways so I was like hold up I can't cut my hair my parents were want to take pictures I was like no my hair is so long they're like you look normal but I'm like I want a fresh baldy honey at all times like I'm trying to have my hair like as as low as it possibly can be so yeah that fresh cut energy it's it's real it's real indeed man I'm inspired listening to y'all talk <laughs> like, like like but seriously though like on, on a real note yeah. When I went in for, when I went in for my interview last year, um, I had people tell me, "Cut your hair, like, like have the professional look, like clean cut, um, you know, do all that." And I, I'm I listened because I thought that that's what people wanted to see. But yeah, listening to you know you and Monica talk about your experiences, I'm leaving. I'm rocking this. I mean, it look bad right now, but. <laughs> I'm rocking it this year and I'm yeah. not cutting my hair because of what people deem professional. Like it's yeah, yeah. me, you know? I think it's definitely changing too. Cause like, and, and this might just be because 
like I work specifically mostly in the digital space, like anything that I do on linear, I'm filling in for <clears throat> right now. But like, we have people that are yatted, like they got, like, I don't know if you know who Jason Fitz is, but he has sleeves all the way down to his wrists. And like, at first, like he was doing a lot of stuff for outside the lines. Um, and they were like, you need to wear, you know, you need to wear a, a shirt that's buttoned all the way up and you need to wear sleeves all the way down to your wrist so that you're covering up your tattoos. But he said that by the end of that, like he still does OTL stuff now for Sports Center, And now they don't care if he has his tattoos exposed anymore. Like he rolls his shirts up. He still wears a button up shirt, but he like rolls his shirts up to his elbows now. So like, I feel like people are starting to kind of understand that there's been a little bit of a shift in what people are deeming as like professional. Um, and then also like, I think, especially in the media space, people are more open to people just looking how they look because they understand that there's people in their audience that kind of connect more with that. You know what I'm saying? So like, if they're trying to reach an audience that looks like Jason Fitz, that's tatted from their neck to their toes, like they should probably have Jason Fitz on their as he is in his entirety, you know what I'm saying? And like, like we said, like, if you're trying to have like young black women or like people that have natural hair, really understand and be able to look at TV or look at digital and say, hey, that's like what I look like. And I guess I could be on in that position as I currently am and not have to change myself. And like, that's what they need to do. They need to put people on television that look like how we look. So I think they're definitely starting to accept it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, even with the way I dress on on television, like when I dress, you know, everybody, typical analyst is suit and tie. Yeah. I, I didn't wear one tie this whole entire year. I told Carol and them, I, I'm just not a tie person. Like, I, I'm yeah. just more of a, a T-shirt or a mock neck underneath, like, a nice jacket, like a, not not like this, but, like, you know, you know, just something fresh, something fly. I'm 23 yeah, yeah. years old. I was 23 at the time. I'm not going to wear a suit and tie. That's, yeah that's that's, like, that's who my, i am no that's who i am and they they accepted me and they're actually you know they were super cool about it. never once did i ever get a text saying hey it's not it's not appropriate you shouldn't wear that so i agree yeah. with you i think that they're starting to shift and uh, see a culture shift just because they want to be able to relate to different people yeah. but let's talk about your shows let's get back to you and your okay. shows what shows can people watch you on right now currently okay so like literally it's Create like my boss was like, you know, once sports starts, it's gonna go from zero. When the pandemic happened, I was truly in a state of like, what am I doing? We had just started the hoop stream show on January 22nd, so I think we had like a solid four or five shows maybe that had happened because we missed we did like one by week and then like we just stopped. So I really felt like I wasn't doing anything, and then they were like, oh, like just do whatever, and I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, oh, prepare for like when sports starts, because when sports starts, you're gonna be nonstop. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Please help me. Like in my house by myself, I just moved here, help. Literally when sports started, they were so right. I was like, some weeks I was like working every single day. I'm like doing some stuff with radio. So like I have like nights where I'm like up super late. Like it was just a crazy mess, but um, it's gotten a little bit more consistent now. So uh, we have, NBA is over, so we were doing hoop streams. There will be hoop streams for the NBA draft, for free agency and stuff like that. That's on the docket. Not exactly sure when that will happen, but like with the NBA season starting sometime soon, possibly, that could be on the docket very soon. Um, for on Fridays, we have a Heisman show at 8 p.m. called The Heisman Show. <laughs> and that'll be for um, 
eight weeks going until December 12th, which is uh, when the Heisman ceremony is. It's actually, it's sponsored by Nissan and the Heisman Trophy. Um, people are very involved with the show. We may announce the four Heisman finalists on the show, which will be very exciting. Yeah. So everybody watch the show. It's great. You'll figure out a bunch of stuff. We interview some Heisman hopefuls. Um, so I interviewed Zach Wilson from BYU in the first show. We might interview Chuba Hubbard this upcoming week. So it's been good. And we've had a lot of very knowledgeable people that know way more about Heisman and football than I do. Um, so it's great. Um, Harry Lyles Jr., who was just hired by ESPN during the pandemic. So he's been here for a few months. He's on the show with me. And then we have, like, we had Trevor Maddich last week. We had Mike Gold Jr. the first week. So there's a lot of great people on that show. Um, the other show that I do is called The Wrap-Up. It's one of my favorite shows. It's on Saturday nights at 11 p.m. on all of our digital platforms. It's my, myself, Trevor Scales, and Gary Streisky. And when we first started the show, we honestly did not know what the heck it would be. So me and Trevor and Gary did an ESPN Plus show called Roll the Tape. And it was literally just us watching old archived footage on ESPN and then like just making jokes. Like Trevor and, and Gary are hilarious. I'm not as funny as them, I don't think, but they're just like the funniest people ever. And for some reason, I just like get to come along. Um, and it's so fun. So also watch that show on ESPN Plus if you want to. But uh, so we, they gave us a show called The Wrap Up where they wanted it to kind of feel the same as Roll the Tape where we literally just react to things all day that have happened in college football. And Trevor and Gary make hilarious jokes. And they also rag on me way too much about the fact that I went to two ACC schools and I have two, like I cheer for two teams. And I, they also rag on me because I cheer for the Big 12 because I worked there for three years, like of course. Um, so it's basically them getting jokes off on the day in college football and also making fun of me and my fandom because they feel like I'm not loyal, but whatever. Um, so we have that show. I also do Countdown to College Game Day with Jason Fitz on Saturday mornings. That's at 9.30, or it's at 9 a.m. leading into College Game Day, which starts at 9.30. Um, and that's every Saturday morning. Oh, wait, no, it's 8.30. It's 8.30 to 9. College Game Day starts at 9. It's 8.30 to 9. I don't know. I just get there. Um, <laughs> so we do that show. And then myself and Trevor Scales do a show called The Weekend Preview. Um, that there's gonna be four of them. Our first one was last week. Um, the next one is not until December, but we basically preview the weekend in sports. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I think that's everything. I'm also um, helping out with Sports Center at Night on ESPN Radio. Um, yeah. Mm. Pretty much. The wrap up on Saturdays. Well, this Saturday is Halloween. Can we expect to see anything special for Halloween? Or can you even give us that information? So, it is <laughs> just know that we may or may not be dressing up for the festivities. That's a great answer. That is such a great answer. Mm. Can we get a sneak okay. peek into the costume? No, King. <laughs> no, I'm curious. No, this is called hey, Monica, a... Monica, Monica, what are you going to be for Halloween? That's a better question. Monica's going to be in the house hiding from COVID. That's where Monica's going to be. But uh, <laughs> heard you. <laughs> nah. I am probably in the crib. I have some neighbors that really get into it, and he has this doll in his lawn that he like moves randomly. So like you'll drive by, it's a whole like mannequin dead girl in a like in her pajamas. So like no. you'll drive by in the morning, it's in one place. You'll drive by at night, and it's one place. It's actually really freaky when it gets dark. But anyway, Man. um, 
<laughs> so I got to give you some more big ups because my good sister's on our pod. I know we just went through your whole Rolodex of shows and jobs at ESPN because what are titles when you can do it all? Hello. Boop. Okay. Um, okay. But Hoop Streams this summer, like uh -huh. it hit in a very big way. I think it, it did record numbers on, in the digital yeah. space. Yeah, it was crazy. So, okay. Hoop Streams has been around for a minute. They've been doing it. I think this is their second, this past season was their second season. Cassidy Hubbard. Kendrick Perkins and Amin Hassan had been holding it down, but they wanted to add a second tier. So Cassidy, Amin, and Perk were going on site um, before COVID, obviously. Um, and so they would do a live hoop streams from whatever game of the week. Then myself, um, it started off as Chanel Gumake, then it turned into myself, Roz Goldon Woody, and then it turned into myself, Omar Raja had already been on there, but Roz Goldon Woody, Chanel Gumake, and Gary Streisky all kind of funneled through as the third person on the show. Um, and we did a studio show that started on January 22nd. And then it kind of shifted obviously after COVID. So it was myself, Gary Streisky and Omar back in the studio. Omar was actually in the bubble. So that's how it first started. Then it shifted to um, merging both shows together. So Cass was in the bubble. And so I was hosting from Bristol. Cass was coming out of the bubble. Amin and Perk were coming from Houston and Arizona respectively. And then Omar was coming out of the bubble too. So it ended up being like this whole conglomerate of people, <laughs> like every single week. It was like, okay, Cass is gonna be on the show. Perk's gonna be on the show. Amin's gonna be on the show, Omar. And everybody was coming from completely different places in America. Like it was all over the place, but it was really good because we got Obviously, Perk, with his basketball knowledge, being in the NBA, Amin was a front office guy, so he has his knowledge. Then Omar, who's like a social guy who's in the bubble, so he's witnessing the bubble atmosphere from one perspective. And then Cass, obviously, as a sideline reporter and somebody that's been covering the NBA for a minute, like, she got her own perspective from the bubble. So it was like a whole mixture of all these different perspectives, and it was really lit. And then, so the one day that we actually had our record numbers, I actually, Cass was doing um, something else. I think she was doing like a uh, countdown or something like that for ESPN2. So I actually had to fill in for her because she was originally supposed to host. And so she was coming from um, the Seaport Studios. Then it was Amin, Perk, and Omar coming from their respective areas. And I don't know how, but that specific episode like broke all of these hoop streams records and I was like wow I just happened to be filling in for Cass that day so it just happened to work out that I was a part of it I got super lucky in that in that scenario but um I had been filling in for Cass while she was down in the bubble so she had come back for the finals specifically and then I hosted um two of the finals shows so it just happened to work out that the one that I one of the ones that I hosted was the one that broke record number numbers so yeah it was lit it was so lit it was so fun too it was not a coincidence, honey. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So now we have to do our favorite segment. King insisted that you join us this week. So I'm going to let him okay. tee it all up and then we're going to get to it. Now our favorite segment on the show, who's tripping this week? Oh my goodness. Ew. Um, <laughs> where do I start? So everybody saw the World Series. Congratulations to the Dodgers. Now that's two LA teams that's won a championship this year. However, however, Justin Turner, oh my goodness, what are you doing, my man? So this guy gets a positive COVID test during the game, has to leave, comes back after they win to celebrate, even takes off his mask at some point. Christine, 
where do you even start on this? So I have a couple of things. A, the MLB is tripping in that scenario too, because he got an inconclusive test before, right? Then they had to retest him to make sure that it was either, you know how like if you get an inconclusive test, they have to do, I think the PCP test to make sure that it's a positive or negative test, right? So he gets, why is it that he was playing in a World Series game to begin with and then found out in the seventh inning that he actually did come back to test positive? Like the MLB is tripping. That whole entire process is clearly not working well because he did already play seven innings. Like he was already in the game. We already, he was already around the people. So yes, he's definitely tripping. Like he's lost his mind. But also what, I mean, obviously the season is over now, so we can't really talk about the MLB that much more and like their processes when it comes to COVID testing. But like, why is it that he found out in the middle of the game, like he was already playing. So like, he probably is like, I was already around these folks for seven innings. We only have two more innings left. Like we're not going to really, so yes, he has lost his mind. Him taking off his mask after knowing he tested positive for coronavirus is completely irresponsible. He was sitting next to his um, his manager who had cancer in the past. Like, he's a cancer survivor. So, like, hello. Like, he's most likely a high-risk individual. So, that's annoying. But also the MLB in general. Like, why did he find out in the seventh inning of the game that he had coronavirus? That is wildly insane to me. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is just, I, I feel like in general, the whole COVID thing, playing sports, like the only league that did it the right way was the NBA and anybody else is failing at this point. Like it's just been a complete failure on all levels. So that's where I stand on the Dodgers situation. It's it's wild, yeah. So like. If you just won a World Series, though, just playing devil's advocate, and yeah. your teammate has COVID, yeah. you know what? Honestly, in my opinion, you know, I mean, I have a heart disease, so I might be a little different, but if I didn't have this heart disease, honestly, bro, like, I, I don't care. You come celebrate with us, and you come take mm-hmm. your mask off. We just won a World Series. I'm going to get drunk tonight anyways. Like, That's what everybody was saying. That's what every – that's literally anything like Clayton Kershaw was like, well, he's worked so hard this whole entire season. We weren't going to take this moment away from him. But here's the thing that's crazy to me. It's not like he broke his foot. Like, taking the, when it comes to taking the, we want him to experience this moment. It's not like he broke his foot. It's not like he, like, violated some, like, rule where he couldn't, where he was suspended. Like, he is a, he is a risk to everybody that's on the field. He's contagious, most likely. He has the potential to literally just spew his COVID breath everywhere and cause people to be sick there. I forget what team, but there was a pitcher on a major league baseball team, but that we, it was either before the season started or like it had to have been before the season started who had coronavirus and said that at one point, his temperature when he was at, when he was in bed, got up to 104 degrees and he didn't think he was going to make it through the night. Like he literally was like, please just allow me to make it to the next day. He was afraid to go to bed. 104 degree temperature. And this is a person that plays in the MLB that I'm sure is very healthy. He's a pitcher. So, you know, he's most likely very lean and whatever, like super aware of what's going on in his body. He, as a healthy individual, had a really bad bout with coronavirus. So it's not like all MLB players that have gotten coronavirus have been perfectly fine. Like 
this has potential to really mess some people up. So, which we know on a larger scale because of what's, what is happening in the whole entire world. So like, yes, I'm sure most of his players actually did have that same, that same mindset, King. If I didn't have this heart condition, which you obviously do, but like, if you were perfectly healthy, like, oh, you're cool, celebrate with us. You've been here for the whole year. But people can literally die. So I'm like, congratulations on like winning a World Series. And now here's like a death sentence. Like, no, I don't think that that's necessary. So yeah, obviously everybody, like who knows? Like he just obviously tested positive. He could get really sick from it. Like he's over here kissing his wife in the mouth. Like she can get really sick from it. They all are tripping. Everybody's tripping. Monica. Yes. Please chime in because I, I have to hear your words of wisdom on this. <laughs> I mean, my, my sis nailed it. Uh, like, great, you won the World Series, now you could potentially die. Like, I get that that's extreme, but I think <laughs> when you said that, Christine, I was like, well, that's so accurate. That's, that's perfect. That's it. That's it. Um, I think, to me, I heard Jeff Passon say this this morning, or on Wednesday morning, post the World Series victory, and he talked about sports being a microcosm of society. And the MLB in particular, it started off kind of rough. They trusted the science. They followed their protocols and they were able to uh, mitigate the disease. But then here we are at the culmination and it's still here. And so in that way, you cannot develop fatigue about this thing, right? Like we're still in it. Like y'all know I just celebrated my birthday. I literally remember being in April and my homegirl was like, I can't believe COVID is ruining my birthday. And I was like, oh no way, it'll be here by my birthday. Psych, like we're still here. And we have to have the same urgency that we had in March, in April, throughout the rest of the year. And for the MLB, like the same urgency, same energy they had when they started, they should have had at the World Series last night. And I'm sorry, Justin Turner, I know you are a huge part of this organization, but this is not it. Like, it's just not worth the risk. And I think in history, nobody would have taken his credit away from him because he couldn't have been there. In fact, maybe you are respected that much more because you were selfless in that moment. Exactly. The other thing is, by the way, I don't know if people know this, but like COVID is actually a little bit worse than it was when it first started right now. It's not like better because of the perfect culmination of everybody's more indoors now. The, the um, spread of it has been a lot more rapid recently with the temperatures outside. So it's actually a tad bit worse than it was in, in like March, April, May. People are ignoring that because they're like, ah, oh, I would love to just live my life as I'm a regular human. But like, okay, cool. People, it's not getting any better. We are, we're just ignoring it. It's a fatigue. But like the fact that it's worse now than it was in the spring and people have a completely different response to it where it's like, meh, it's okay. Like, it's not going to be good. Like, I, my who's tripping was going to be college football because I don't think that they have a handle on it at all. Mm. <laughs> like the only thing that they're doing is just testing people. And y'all messing with my check because I have like five college football shows. Hello, let's get this under control. <laughs> like, like, hello, let's get this under control. But like people are testing positive and they're just like, oh, like Wisconsin today, 12 players test positive. And I'm like, Girl, 12 players, and now they're going to sit out for seven days. When did it go from 14 to seven? But we're not even going to talk about that. And here's the thing that's crazy, and it, it is insane. I don't remember what school it was. I think it was a Big Ten school, possibly, maybe. So I, the way that my brain works is, like, in colors. So, like, I see the colors of the school. They're red and white. 
It could be Louisville, maybe in Maryland, maybe it's a Big Ten school, maybe Ohio State, I don't know. But I know the colors are red and white. Regardless, there was a student that got coronavirus. There were like hundreds of cases on his campus and he died. He was a college student that has died from coronavirus complications on his campus, right? That happened last week. So like, just because you're a student doesn't mean that you're immune to having severe complications for coronavirus. Just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that you're immune from having severe complications from coronavirus. So yes, people are, are used to being like, oh, I'm, they see a lot of cases where it's like, oh, I'm asymptomatic. Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Oh, I just had a little cough. Oh, I just couldn't taste or smell anything. But like, also people are dying. So we can be as fatigued as we wanna be, but fatigue causes more spikes in cases, causes more deaths regardless. Like it doesn't matter like that's just going to be the outcome so mm, well you heard it this week the mlb was absolutely tripping what are you doing and college football too you're tripping too we're not gonna forget about you you're a close second but that's who's tripping this week king and i have our fingers toes crossed are saying our prayers that college basketball <laughs> does not trip the same way college football has been tripping i feel like they um, have a little bit better plan but like it's just the plan honestly the only way to do anything that we've seen has been successful from the nhl from the WNBA, from the nba is to go away like just go away from everybody else and obviously it's hard with college sports but like i bet they can figure out a way to keep college players from like being in the gin park like just figure it out um well said my friend and now is the time where we culminate all of the enthusiasm and excitement for having you on the show. We wrap this thing up with a buckets, boards, and blocks analogy. King, but what should we, what should I ask Christine? Should we open it up to her career since joining ESPN? Like, what should her buckets, boards, or blocks be pulled from, King? I want to know in the 2020 spectrum. Uh-huh because there's a lot of things that's happened. Corona, social injustices. I think we should just base it off 2020. Okay, all right. I like the way you think, co-host. Okay, so 2020. Here's the deal, Christine. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I think I want you to give me all three because you're fantastic. Usually we have our guests just pick one, but I think you got enough juice for all three. Don't you think so, King? Okay. I think she got enough juice for, for all of them and more. Okay, all right. <laughs> So this is how it goes. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is the name of our podcast. And so uh -huh. in the spectrum of 2020 things, we need a bucket, which is the thing that you loved. Give me more of this thing, all of it, all these buckets. We need a okay. board, which is the thing that, you know, at first glance, it wasn't so fantastic, but it turned out to have some redeeming qualities, like a rebound, right? And then a block, which is get that out of here, the Kimbe Matumbo finger wag, we don't want any more of this. Okay. And we're opening it up to all of 2020. Okay, wow. Okay, let me think about this. Well, my block is going to be any COVID thing that wasn't handled responsibly. Like, wear a mask or go home. <laughs> or just some, like, anything that, yes, that's just blocked. Like, what are we doing? Um, it's causing all of us to have to live in a world that looks very strange these days. And I wish we would just figure it out. So that's my block. Um, a 
afford, let's think about this, something that didn't look too great, but then was like, oh, okay, I see you. I will say, I, I think I'm keeping mine within sports because I like can't even think about like the general world right now. Um, I will say that the NBA season restart looked like it was not going to be great. And I was like, this is potential for like a, everybody in the NBA to get coronavirus. Like this is just going to be like a, a Petri dish of coronavirus. But it actually turned out to be the one place that you would want to be. <laughs> because I, nobody nobody had yeah. any issues with covid very um, true so i remember when it started because i remember when it started i was like y'all all gonna be in one place okay <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out it was great um same with the nhl same with the WNBA. so i will say that that's one thing that was like uh, and then it was like okay um my bucket <laughs> uh i'm gonna keep this in the nba so I have been a Tyler Hero fan since before the pandemic started. Like literally when he was at Kentucky talking about I'm a bucket, I was like, okay, swag. So <laughs> I love the fact because even like when Jimmy Butler was like um, talking to Rachel Nichols on the jump, like when they first got to the bubble and was like, we're going to win the NBA finals. I was like, bro, you're not even going to make it past like the first round of the playoffs but okay so the fact that they went all the way to the NBA now here's the thing if you ever watch tube streams then you would know and like okay I get why everybody questions my fandom because I don't like to get emotionally involved in anything so like me and the Miami Hurricanes yes I played volleyball there but I'm like very sus when it comes to supporting my team because I don't like being heartbroken and they've been letting me down on all aspects for a while now right so I just rocked with Clemson for, Clemson for a little bit same with the heat I was in Miami when the heat won those championships I actually was partying well not specifically with them but I was in the same club with LeBron and D Wade after they had just beat the Spurs okay like I was there mm. so I call myself a heat fan but once LeBron left and it was looking sus I was like no nah, I'm gonna just not be a fan of anything but once I saw Tyler Hero I was like you know what I might low-key be a Heat fan. Then once they got to the bubble, <laughs> now you can call me a bandwagon fan all you want, but yes, I got right on that bandwagon. <laughs> and I was like, don't you know I was in the club partying with LeBron and D. Wade and Gabrielle Union when they won? <laughs> like, I've been there. I, I was there. I was there. I've been here. Um, so I think my bucket will be the combination of Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, we can add Kendrick Nunn and, ba Nunn and Bam Adebayo in that. I just am obsessed with it, but um, have have been on the Tyler Hero fan for a minute, or bandwagon for a minute, and it turned out to be a complete bucket. So, yeah. Um, this is, I'm impressed that that was your bucket of all of 2020, but it's, it's a solid bucket, which also <laughs> begs the story about the mask that you have in your Twitter bio. How did the mask come Yeah, to see, that's, see, I go hard for Tyler Hero. No, we did that on um, Tube Streams, where, I, and I actually, I don't know where it is, it's probably somewhere down here because my stuff is everywhere, but um, I got a Tyler Hero Snarl shirt that I wore on the wrap-up last weekend. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about the fact that the Heat had created a Tyler Hero Snarl shirt, and we were like, they should have made a mask, because obviously, like, he was snarling with his mouth, like, you could just put superimpose 
that face on your mask. And so the producers for Hoop Streams were like, if we take a picture of your mask, can we Photoshop a snarl on your face? And you can pitch to like Omar that you guys should make these masks. And I was like, heck yes. So they made the picture and it looked way better than I expected it to. So that's why I have that photo. And we should be mass producing those, don't you agree? Like, Heat fans would eat that up. I freaking bought a $32 shirt with that man on my shirt, okay? I would totally buy a $15 mask. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's swag. I will give you, it's, it's super swaggy for sure. But yeah, that's, that's how that came to be. And like I said, Tyler Hero's a bucket. And I'm all for it. Well, there's that. <laughs> that was dope. People, it's time to wrap up. Thanks to our producer, the GOAT, Bruce Bernstein, and our outstanding, caps on outstanding, editor Tom Phillip, who does a great job. If you ever watch the promos or anything, he's amazing. But also, do not forget our other shows. Mike Wise, one of the funniest people I've ever talked to, super opinionated. I love him to death. He drops each Monday with a new show. His guest this past week, or this week, is Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. Oh, my goodness. Just coming off a championship. Big-time guest. They talk about how she, her incredible stories, pretty much. The Lakers return to the top of the NBA mountain, which, whole nother story. We've talked about that before. Don't want to get into that. Full Court Press with John Fanta is here on Tuesday talking about college hoops and his most recent guest. Hey, Luke Garza, that man out of Iowa who is just a little different. And the Wake Forest coach, Steve Forbes, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron, have a brand new show each Wednesday. Their guest this week, ESPN Front Office Insider, Bobby Marks. BJ and Eric have the Pure Hoops podcast every Friday. And I'm back. And Monica is back. And Bruce is back next Thursday with Buckets, Boys, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Finally, listen, y'all heard it in this conversation. COVID-19 is still on a tear through our country. We cannot afford to have fatigue. Please continue to wash your hands, maintain social distancing. If it's a trip you don't absolutely have to make, think twice before you make it. And of course, wear your mask, protect yourself and others. Guys, it, look, we can't complain. This is where we are. We really need to do this as a nation and just not whine about it. Please be mindful of treating everyone around you, even strangers, like friends and considerate. Um, we also don't want, us, want to forget the frontline workers, medical professionals, teachers in this crazy time keep all of those people in our thoughts and definitely continue learning about and working toward social justice there's so many ways that we can be a better society that can be more inclusive and more equitable for all please do your part also big week in our country do not forget to vote get out there and make your vote count until next week folks man king i really enjoyed this combo shout out to christine again shout out to bruce and tom as well Wherever you can find them, because we're, you know, kind of looking for them right now. Enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.